It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director, Jeff Cranston. Hi again, and welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. Once again, I'm Jeff Cranston, Director of Communications at MDOT, and today I'm pleased to have a couple of really smart people in the room with me. And they're going to talk to us about the governor's bonding program for state trunk lines and what it means and how the financing works and all kinds of questions that I know everybody is dying to have answers for. So Patrick McCarthy, who's the director of our Bureau of Finance here at MDOT, and Laura Mester, who's our chief administrative officer. Thank you both for being here. Thanks, Thanks for having for us. So let's start with, uh, with you, Laura, because you've been in state government and other agencies, DTMB, obviously, and you've seen these kinds of financing projects over the years. Could you give it some context, put it in perspective? Well, I think it, we, have a, we have a goal in mind, and we're dealing with an asset that is deteriorating. So how do we address uh, fixing and meeting the needs that we have with the available resources uh, and bonding is a way for us to do that. It allows us to put investments into the system and address some of the long-term issues that we have. And uh, our bonding strategy is to focus on reconstructs, which we normally don't do because we have limited resources. Talk about that, the difference between rebuilding a road completely and, and the normal kinds of things that MDOT is able to do. Well, I think, you know, we... I, the way that our normal call for projects is, is we have mix of fixes and we're really trying to keep the assets that we have in place with, last longer. And we do a lot of patches. We do a lot of smaller projects that extend the useful life but really don't a- address the underlying issue. But the average driver doesn't know doesn't understand when they go past that project that they didn't just tear this thing down to the base and build it up again, that they're just doing a resurfacing. Typically, drivers are more interested in the ride quality, and engineers and here at MDOT and, and accountants too, we are interested in what's it take to fix it, and we want to get to the underlying problems though, so that they have not only a smooth ride, but the ride lasts a lot longer than normal. So when we do rehabs, it's a shorter the quality of the, the ride may, may not last as long, and we'll have to be back there patching the road or doing other fixes. So the governor talked about this last week and explained why bonding made sense to her. Let's listen to what she said. You know, I'm tired of talking points and short-term fixes and phony fixes. I said I was going to do it, so I led with a gas tax. It's dedicated to the roads. It was a user fee. It was had all the hallmarks of what people say it is an important thing to do when we raise revenues and yet I got no traction with the legislature and not even that they wouldn't even you know counter me with a thoughtful proposal so I didn't think they were serious about fixing this problem and I am so I decided I would use my unilateral powers to ask for ask the transportation commission to do a bond and that's what I did so when the decision was made that by the governor um, that, you know what, I need to do something now because some of these roads are in such bad shape they're going to really go over the edge, roads and bridges. And they said, you know, MDOT has bonded in the past many times under many different administrations, so let's look at that tool and see what it means. So, Patrick, you've had to talk about interest rates the past week or so and, you know, what it means right now to borrow and why this is a good time. Um, The treasurer talked about it yesterday in a committee hearing. So, you know, 
why does it make sense right now to do this? It makes sense now to bond because the interest rates are at historical lows. Um, they're, they're in the 25 to 3.5% range across the, the um, yield curve of the bonds, which is fancy financial terms for when you'd have to pay those bonds back. Um, we've been issuing bonds um, throughout my entire career for various programs through various administrations. And the bonds that we were issuing 20 years ago and 25 years ago were being issued in the 5 to 7% range. So um, the, the rates have continued to drop throughout that last 25 years down to rates that um, frankly are unprecedented in, um, in any of our lifetimes for um, infrastructure improvements. So there's a lot of myths out there because this is you know complicated stuff that a lot of people don't understand and there's been a lot of um, things that uh, a, lot, a lot of questions that are still unanswered and some some people saying things basically that that don't properly characterize what this is what do you think what what's what's bothered you the most that you think has not been explained clearly I think one of the things that's bothered me the most is I've heard from several different sources that um, bonding doesn't make any sense because you're still paying for the debt service on these old programs and the roads have fallen apart again. Um, we took an analysis of a bond program that was done in 2004 and looked at all of the projects that were, that were um, constructed or reconstructed during that time frame and the analysis that we have is that while the debt service on those bonds is going to be fully paid off in 2023, the life of those projects is going to last to 2027 or longer. Um, when we issue bonds, we have to issue them for the time frame of the, the remaining life of the assets that we're working on as a project. And that gets um, probably a little bit misunderstood as well. The, the starting point of how long that project is going to last is what we can issue the bonds for. But many of the roads that we work on are going to last significantly longer than that. Uh, a good example is this year we have a project for I-496 that is being reconstructed in downtown Lansing. That roadway was initially constructed 50 years ago. Does that affect your commute? Uh, it does, significantly. <laughs> so uh, I'm very interested in having that project completed timely. So, well, so Laura, talk about the the reasoning behind this and and you've given a spirited defense even though you're the first person to always tell me and educate me that this is financing not funding and we all know that the governor came forward with a very ambitious funding plan last year that would have helped all road agencies there was money there for everybody mm -hmm. it didn't go anywhere in the legislature this is the only tool that she can use and she can only do it for state trunk lines um, but from your point of view you know how do you talk about this like to your neighbor about why it makes sense. A couple of things. There's a cost of inaction. And so that is, you know, not just our interest rates low, but there is a cost of inaction. And for us to uh, be able to address our needs, it, it'll cost us more in the future. But she really has four options, right? She could do nothing. She could raise revenue, which she has tried, or she could do fund shifts from education community mental health and other programs that are using dollars in the general fund that could be made available for transportation or she can bond. Bonding is right now the simplest solution for us to, to do 
for a, a variety of reasons, but it does make sense in us making investments now at lower rates and it's cheaper for construction because there's always inflation as it relates to construction costs and then the deterioration of our network. We try to manage the network um, that we're responsible for and we want to make sure that we're doing you know, leveraging all the resources that we have available to us and addressing, again, the needs that we have. And this is the way that we can do it. It, it may not be popular with everyone because the idea of having debt is not always viewed favorably, but it is a good tool for us to use and put the resources that we have available to work now and not wait later. Well, one thing that I think has been missing from a lot of the conversation when we talk about, you know, the, the myths that you've heard, Patrick, that have bothered you, is that idea that leaving roads and bridges that are falling apart to our kids and grandchildren isn't its own form of debt, that they're going to have to take care of this at some point. And we know that the cost of construction, uh, materials and labor have risen higher than CPI over the last several years, and we don't have any reason to think that will stop. So while it's very difficult to estimate you know, how much more it will cost every year we wait to rebuild something that's falling apart, we can safely say that it is going to cost a lot more, and maybe that doesn't completely offset the, the interest, the, the cost of bonding, but it could be pretty close. That's true, and I also think that people need to understand that they need to focus on, um, you know, when we go in there with this bond program, we're going to reconstruct roads, and they're going to last for 25 or 30 years before we need to go back and do any sort of maintenance on those roads. If we were continuing to do the existing program we can afford with the revenues that we have available, the fixes, and the directors talked about this, the fixes that we would do would require us to come back in 8 to 10 to 12 years and do those fixes all over And every time we do again. that, you're stopped in traffic, you're stalled. Exactly. Goods and are later yes. to the market. You're and not even doing just-in-time delivery. Sorry. And yes, and even though we fixed them, um, the road quality still won't be as good as it would if we did the, the proper fix with the, with the reconstruction. Yeah. So I, I guess when you think about that, when you think that through, and, and real, you know, today's dollars, what you call present value, you know, and, and what it ultimately will cost um, 25 years from now, you know, you have a different calculation. I mean, instead of saying it's going to cost us $1.6 billion in interest to borrow $3.5 billion, you frame it another way. Could you explain how it is that you look at it? Right. The, the way that I look at that is that um, the, the dollar we spend today um, is not the same dollar that we'll, that we'll have in 20 and 25 years when we're paying this debt service back. I was trying to think of a good example this morning, and I guess I go back to the old examples I always hear from my parents and grandparents. When a loaf of bread cost a nickel back in the day, you know, that nickel was, was the value of the bread back in the day. A loaf of bread now is 2 to $3. So if you shift that around, if we spend the money today on the roadway, in 20 to 25 years when we're repaying that debt service, that value of that funding that we're using to pay the debt service is significantly lower than it is today. We get much more value out of reconstructing that roadway today than trying to wait for 20 years and, and rebuild the road at that time. So if your furnace went out tomorrow or you found out that your roof maybe was much worse than you realized and you've got to replace it and you don't have enough money in the bank to do that, you know, so you have to take out a home equity loan in order to maintain your home, which is your most important asset probably, that makes sense. Um, but I think the, the mortgage analogy has been floated a lot in the past week 
there are other reasons why that doesn't quite apply. Um, is this the equivalent of a, of a fixed loan term? I would say that yes, it is. You're, you're putting locking yourself, in the interest rate. Yes, you're locking in an interest rate. You're, you're putting yourself into a, a known payment schedule to deliver an asset today that if you had to wait until you had the funding available to, to build that asset or buy that asset, um, it's only going to continue to get more expensive. So you're going to continue to reach for the same asset as the value of it continues to grow into the future with those increases from inflation. So Laura, you had a lot of input last year um, when the state budget office and governor's office came out with the Fixing Michigan Roads Fund. Um, that idea that would have, again, was very ambitious, but would have put the money where people drive, you know, where the traffic is. Um, those roads, the high-level roads that were eligible for that funding were the, the heaviest volume in terms of traffic. And we're doing the same thing here. Uh, could you talk about why that is and why, you know, it looks like if you looked at just the 49 bonded projects, they're clearly, you know, all in the southern part of the state. And why is that? Well, and because that is where our traffic is. And when you think about what's the purpose of the network, it, you know, it, it's the economy. It's the, you know, getting where are people working and, and going. And so when we started looking at the project selections and what was already in the plan and looking at what, knowing that we had to do long-term fixes, part of the discussion was is if we do these long-term fixes, where will we have the most impact for the daily users? And that was what helped drive part of the discussion and the selection of the bonded projects as well as the rehabs, is that we asked our regions to, uh, when we did the distribution, is select projects that would impact more than your average daily traffic in your area. So that the, the intent is, is if we have a network that is only serving 50 drivers a day versus 100,000 drivers today, isn't there more value in that fix? And so we looked at it from that perspective. And when you look at a map of all of our regions and you look at the vehicles miles traveled, it, there's, it, it follows that pattern that so, we really tried to focus on. Where do we have the most traffic? So, yeah, so, so just a little uh, guide for the listener. The show notes will include the links to the things that Laura's talking about, including that map that shows the traffic counts around the state and a project list that shows what, what projects are going to be taken on as part of this, this grander plan. Um, you know, Patrick, the other myth that we're dealing with is that uh, uh, somehow this could have helped you know, local roads, the roads that are owned by the counties and the cities and villages, uh, and explain why that isn't something that MDOT can do. The revenues that are um, going to be used to pay the debt service on these trunk line projects, these 49 projects, is constitutionally restricted to only be used on the state trunk line. Um, the, the repayment of the debt will be from revenues that were originally collected into the Michigan Transportation Fund, but have made it through the formula to the share of the Michigan Transportation Fund revenues, which are um, vehicle registrations and fuel taxes, and, and now are dedicated and restricted to the uses of the state trunk So think of fund. that like a big funnel, the MTF, yes. the Michigan Transportation Fund. And then what happens is that as you go down in that funnel? So through the Act 51 formula, the, um, the funds that start out in the MTF fund are distributed to various specific funds, um, the local bridge fund, the EDF program. What's EDF? 
Economic Development Fund. Thank you. Um, and then once all of those um, those directions of funds have occurred in the Act 51 fund, the remaining available resources are split between MDOT, the state trunk line fund getting 39.1%, the counties getting 39.1%, and the cities and villages getting 21.8%. So all of our debt service that's related to this $3.5 billion program is coming specifically and only from the state trunk line fund. And those funds cannot be used on local roads. The locals do have the ability to issue their own bonded debt and use their resources and, and restricted revenues to pay that debt. And there's legislation pending that would give them more options in terms of what they can do with taxes to, to fund their roads, the local agencies. Correct. There's a laundry list of, local of items working yeah. their way through the and legislature. And a number of states do that, and the Citizens Research Council has done extensive research on that and pointed out why that works in, in some states and is a tool that probably should be available to the locals so that they have those options. Um, it's important to note, too, that every state does these things differently. And whether it's archaic or not, um, this is the formula, and this is the way that Michigan does it, and roads are owned by multiple agencies and not just one. And it's also important to note that while MDOT has 9,700 miles of 122,000 miles of roads in Michigan, 53% of all traffic travels on MDOT roads, state, state routes, and 70%, more than 70% of commercial traffic. So that's kind of been lost in this discussion too, I think, and it's an important thing to know. So what else do you want to say, Laura? Well, and I was just, to add on to the vehicle miles traveled, we also have performance goals that we need to meet. And a lot of our investment strategy with the bonds are focused on the interstates. So we, there was a multi-purpose behind uh, the project selection of how can we um, continue to meet some of the other goals that we have along with what the governor was very focused on when you look at the type of road, where should we be putting and our the Federal Highway Administration has made that a major priority, that yes. you invest in the interstates, the highest level roads. So we're kind of bound by that, too. Well, this is helpful, I think. Um, thanks for doing this and taking the time to do this. Um, anything else you want to add, Patrick? No, I don't think so, aside from the fact that, um, you know, now that we have the resolution from the commission and, the, you know, the, the requirement from the director, from the governor to start this program, um, we, are, we are actively working on delivering this program and delivering this bonding over the next four years that we've been authorized. Great. Thank you both. Okay, thanks again for listening to this week's edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. And I want to give a special thanks to Corey Peaty, who uh, does the sound engineering for the podcast, and to Sarah Martin uh, of MDOT, who does the show's intro and closing. That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more on SoundCloud or by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.